I'm Riley. And I'm Emily. We are here for episode 10, and we, I think, have a really special episode for you guys today. It's going to be a celebration of men and what we absolutely love about men, what we've learned about men in this business, um, and things to keep men happy and healthy. How are you feeling about it, Rye? I'm excited for this one. We've got a lot of fun stuff to do. I think it's going to be a little fluffy too. It's going to get me all of my feelings. <laughs> You're going to be fine. I have a feeling. <laughs> um, so a little bit of like, I guess, premise or context on, on where this episode was kind of inspired by. We are recording this still in November. I think it's the 27th today. Um, even though this will be released in December, it has a bit of a Movember vibe, some prostate health, some men's mental health focus. Um, and one particular Q&A question that we actually got uh, via Twitter, I think, that we left out of our Q&A episode specifically so we could do this episode. Um, and it was a gentleman who was asking if we've ever gotten feedback or um, stories from clients, from men, on how we've changed their lives or how Muse helps them through their everyday um, and how that kind of impacts our customers. And I thought it was such a sweet question and such a beautiful, in-depth topic. Yeah. I'm kind of excited about it. So shout out to that gentleman. He will remain anonymous, but we didn't forget about your question. Um, I think one thing that we could touch on a little bit first um, before we dive into a little bit more of the juicy parts is kind of the unique perspective that we get in this industry as owners, as I did as an attendant, what we hear from the girls and our conversations and correspondence with customers too. So Rai, why don't you start us off there and kind of chat a bit about what you've learned about dudes. I think, I think being in this industry really like on a personal level, I'll speak to has really taught me, I'm not a wife, but how to be a good wife. Uh, I mean, being a wife is a big job, but I think if you have a support system and a great husband, it makes being a wife that much easier. Um, and really, you know, keeping it spicy with your man is so important. And I know that can sometimes feel exhausting, but always putting that at the forefront, I, I swear it's a lesson in life. And I've reminded myself of it many times through relationships to not stop flirting, to not stop sending the nude selfies when he's at work. Do all the fun things. It's foreplay. It's fun. It excites him. He wants to come home. And I mean, not that we don't want people coming to Muse, but in, in essence, <laughs> you want to come home and not to Muse, right? Absolutely. It's such kind of a contradictory lesson and standpoint to what we do every day, um, given it allows us empathy to understand what the clients are kind of going through. But there's always that like woman in the back of the mind that's like, if only this and this could happen, he wouldn't be here or she wouldn't be treating him in a way that makes him feel, uh, you know, X, Y, Z that ends up leading him to our doorstep. And it's kind of a um, a sad and controversial juxtaposition to be in sometimes because outside of our Emily and Riley roles, we're, we're women. We date, we love, you know, we've been in long relationships. We've been in highly committed relationships. We've been solo and single. We've left, we've been left. We've, you know, all the mix in between. I mean, we're of a certain age now. 
<laughs> where we've lived some things and we have our own stories to tell and have been on both sides of, of several of these coins that we hear about from customers, I think, every day. And one thing I love is how candid our customers are with us. It's yeah. so special. And I find it's one thing when they confide in the attendants or you get into like a very serious conversation in person or a really extensive back and forth in a DM where you're having a full conversation. But I get, I handle the emails. And so I get emails sometimes that are lengthy and really candid, really sharing on what they're looking for and why they're coming in and why they're coming in, I think is such a, a neglected aspect of this industry. People are so quick to judge you know, whether it's workers, whether it's customers calling them Johns and that kind of thing. And and there's such a media stigma that comes with it, just like, you know, the dirty hookers, the creepy John. And it's so not the case. It, it's regular, everyday people, the bus driver, the guy at the bank, you know, the person in line ahead of you at Starbucks. Like it's regular people dealing with regular problems and very common threads amongst so many of the stories we hear from gentlemen and they just they tell us their life story and i think it's such a unique and special perspective um that i wish not only through this podcast but just in general we could share with everybody it would it would make marriage so much easier yeah yeah i think it's so special i, I think you know the the assumption is always they're coming in you know, for these really just sexual based needs, which there is, there absolutely is, but the psychology behind it, they, they're looking for connection. They're looking for a release if they're, you know, boss and um, dominant in their day-to-day -day lives. Oftentimes they want to come in and be in a submissive role, or they want to come in and experiment and don't have that open dialogue with their partner, which is a shame because if, if everyone communicated properly, it'd be a lot more fun at home, right? And we'd be buck out of business. <laughs> I know. I know. The whole industry would be shot. It's so ironic and, and so strange, but it's such a good point you make because, I mean, you know, my desires in life, I'm searching the world for my Christian gray because yeah. I have to boss all day. And the last thing I want to do is come home and make fucking decisions. I'm yeah. over it by then. Like, I don't care. Just take the reins, do the things build us a special room and let's kick out till the day we die. Like, why not? To me, life is is too short not to play. Um, but that's such, again, a stigmatized aspect of, of marriage. And sometimes not to bash on women, but women can be defensive of that expectation in a relationship. And to me, the one defining factor between an intimate relationship and your other relationships is the sex part. Like yeah. on all other spectrums, you and I have an extremely intimate friendship. We we are in and out of every aspect of our lives. The only thing we don't do is fuck each other. <laughs> Shucks. Despite uh, popular belief. Right? I mean, they don't know about our sleepovers and our pillow fights, but whatever. <laughs> our vacations or our heydays. There, there's a lot. But in general, like... We have such an intimate relationship that the only difference is someone that you actually have that sexual connection with. And to keep that thriving, like you said earlier, is such a huge piece of the pie. We we focus as humans sometimes on on our mental health, on our financial health, on our physical health, on you know, spiritual growth and all those things. But if for some reason the little pie that is sexual health is so taboo, it's taken out of schools, it's taken out of conversations, it's you know censored all over the place on the internet now and like you can't even have normal 
conversations. I remember back in my day, the Sunday night sex show was on the regular radio. Yeah. It didn't matter how old you were. If you were just awake at that hour, you could tune in, hear Sue Johansson tell you and teach you all the things. Mm -hmm. And not that we're that much more advanced necessarily than generations after us, but um, I was actually watching a, a documentary on on TV, I think it was on Hulu or something the other day, called Periodical that was about women's cycles and reproductive straight through from first period to menopause. And the amount of girls, young girls in a high school where they were doing this kind of Q&A seminar that had already had their periods for a few years and didn't know what a cycle was because that's been taken out of education. I, I'm sure you could imagine, I was having a conniption fit because Right. What what the fuck? <laughs> How are we building adults and empathy and any sort of healthy connections, whether it's with yourself and your own well-being and your health with your doctor or with an intimate partner? And so mm -hmm. when all those things are kind of spliced up and taken out, we end up with the sexless marriage, which I'm convinced is an epidemic in, in the world these days. People live like roommates. They stay for the kids. Those kids end up adults. And now look what happened. All those adults are, I mean, are you know, employees and who we date, you know, like it's a mess. Life gets hard. And I mean, we've been in these situations. So I don't, you know, blame one party more than the other. I think it's a collective group effort. Um, but I will speak to the wives if there's any watching. You know, if you're dating your man and you drive to his office and give him a blowjob at lunch, don't stop doing that when you're married. Like these are the things that change. And that's not who he fell in love with. And it keeps that spark. And I think that just gets so lost and we get so busy in our lives. And nowadays, you know, women are entrepreneurs. We're raising children. We have careers. It's busy. But if he, it, you know, to keep that connection and his mental and sexual health well, those are things that we have to take on as women and, and recognize we, we contribute to it. It's so true. I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned um, about men in general in this, in this business or through this business is that as much as we make the jokes about like the big head, little head, that they can't be engaged at the same time. I think at the deeper root of that, it's, it's ego and penis connection. And I think a man with a healthy ego has a much healthier penis, which could mean his sexual performance. It could mean his sexual health. It could mean how he connects with women, how he treats his relationships, how he raises his children. Like it, it stems into so much of that. And when you have an unhealthy penis or a neglected penis, it affects his ego. And so is he then going into the world as the best husband he can, the best employee he can, the best boss, brother, teammate, coworker, like all the things. I think if if those two things balance and they don't necessarily have to speak to each other, but they have to work in tandem so that there's at least that balance of, of well-being and of freedom just to be. I, I think men are so stifled. Um, and you and I kind of conflict sometimes because I tend to take the guy's side on a lot of issues. And you remind me often about the wives' participation and their responsibility too. But um, I really dislike the whole trend of, you know, pop culture, social media of like men ain't shit or a man's got to have this, this and this before he's worthy of my time. And like this kind of just dismissive toxic feminism as opposed to a healthy feminism, which it should be about equality. And that doesn't necessarily mean same, same. It just means equal balance. And when you nourish a man's penis, his ego grows healthier. And 
when you take that out of a marriage, you end up with this broken shell of a man. And I think um, we're going to jump into something in a few minutes that really exemplifies that message and that plight and that struggle for men, um, even though it might be a little controversial. <laughs> do you remember what kind of like sparked me to really want to um, do this topic? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I'll say it if you want. <laughs> the infuriating comment. Is that what you're referring to? Yes, yes. Someone had said to Riley and I in passing um, not long ago that we don't understand the psychology of men. And anyone that knows me knows my jaw was on the floor. My eyes bugged out like a cartoon. I almost fainted and fell backwards because I've spent the past 24 years of my life studying men and their dynamics with women and how their relationships um, affect society and, and so on and so forth. This is why I'm a sexologist. This is why I moved into education and teaching workshops and speaking on these topics um, because of that factor. And I love that you always kind of ground me back into my womanhood sometimes <laughs> because I love that I have a bit of a penis brain and I swear I'm earning my stripes for my next life. I have a big penis in my life. <laughs> I mean, awesome dude. Had a big dick. <laughs> but but it's important that that balance is really there. And as per our relationship, you always bring me that like grounded balance that I need. Um, but I think in in just the societal culture that we're in nowadays, it gets so lost. Men are not supported. They're undervalued um, and kind of overpowered by our quest of wanting alphas, of wanting a strong man. We bulldoze over them before they even get a chance to to be that guy. Kind of surreal. <laughs> I remember even so. when uh, this gentleman made this comment to you, we were sitting at a, a table for lunch, and I remember just squeezing your leg because I thought, she is going to jump down his throat. Please stop yourself. We're in a meeting. But it was, it, I mean, even for me, it was so like infuriating it was it was it was a jarring unforgettable moment that clearly has stuck in my brain for weeks now um thank god love you for squeezing my leg it hurt too actually i knew i was in trouble <laughs> Gosh, shit. i will throw the key away it was really hard though i bit my tongue literally <laughs> so i really want us to do a bit of a new thing on this podcast. And what we're going to do is a bit of a reaction. I've got a song and a music video for us to watch and comment on as we watch it that I think hits everything that we see in our position, in our unique position um, about men and why we love them so much, why we're talking about this topic, why we think things should be honored more. Um, and, and their sexual health being nurtured as well. Um, I think there's a bunch of dimensions and a couple different lines and, and images in this in this music video that accompanies it um, that just hits me right in my gut. It makes me tear up every time I hear it um, or see it. Uh, I've had this song on repeat for a while. I think uh, the gentlemen watching are going to love it. And for the ladies watching, I think it might be shocking if, if this is stuff you don't already know. Um, but take notes if it's your first time kind of looking at the life of a man uh, from from a new perspective. So 
What we're going to do is we're going to watch a song called How to Be a Man. It's by an independent artist named Dax. And it's a remix done with Darius Rucker, who is singer, the lead singer of Hootie and the Bullfish and some country music fame. Um, and I'm kind of excited. I think this is going to be a really awesome thing to to show our peeps and, and to comment on because uh, I think it's, it's a really, really special song. Yeah, I think it's really, really just uh, nail on the head. So you ready? Let's dive ready. into the video. I can't hide myself. I don't expect you to understand. I just hope I can explain what it's like to be a man. It's a lonely road. And they don't care about what you know. It's not about how you feel, but what you provide inside that home. If we could pause right there. Oh, I'm already in my feelings. I know you are. <laughs> It's just, it's so beautiful. Um, it takes me right to when we're training a new girl and we're talking to her about connection and how important it is to make a connection with your client. As much as this is about looks and what can I get, mileage, you know, all the freaky deaky things. At the end of the day, it could be with someone who's really disconnected, really disinterested, you know, looking at the clock, kind of rolling her eyes, or it could be someone who's like right in there with you and, and just like in it and, and cares about you in that moment. And the fun thing about Muse is that it's in a different building. Like you can literally escape the four walls of your life, come into our paradise and someone can connect with you on that level. So when they say no one cares what you know, some of my most valuable lessons I learned as a massage attendant and then as an owner. And I wouldn't trade those those lessons. I, I really care what men know. And I feel like, like you were saying earlier about how it can teach you to be a wife. Our staff are so blessed to be able to hear the intimate, intimate stories that men of all ages are able to share and do confide with us and teach us these like kind of golden nuggets that they're not talking to anyone about. They're not telling their wife that, they're not telling their buddies or their coworker, you know, whether it's a secret fetish or whether it's where that fetish came from, whether it's the girl that got away who they've always thought about or why they're in an unhappy marriage or, you know, all the things that they confide in us. It's, it's so deeply personal and it's, it makes me so sad to think that like, millions of men are walking through the world feeling just like this song says they really are and i think men need a safe space and ideally that's their home you know whether that's with a family or not but when it's not your home somewhere mm -hmm. like music it, it can be your safe space and I, I think they take comfort in that i don't think they even actually always realize that's what they're coming in for but they are looking for that deeper connection they want to feel heard and seen and needed and desire like they want to feel all of those things i think they deserve to feel all those things imagine how different the world would be if if men just knew that about themselves or or had someone to remind them of that about themselves like again you just they'll walk into the world a different man and mm -hmm. our world would be better the kids worlds would be better like everything politics everything would just be better mm -hmm. uh, oh anyways 
let's continue. <laughs> you can't always live up to expectations. You try to please everybody while you struggle, so you fake it and end up out of balance, compromising situations as a good man. What he should, man. I give everything he has and do everything he could, man. You might find yourself feeling all alone inside a house you built that you don't recognize as home. And that's what my dad Can we pause it right there? If we could take it back like 10 seconds, watch that man's face when he gets up from the table, and then let's pause it again right after. It just, oh, in the gut. See that? That fake smile? Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice it the first few times I watched the video, but I saw it afterwards and it it struck me on such a personal level. Um, I've been in a sexless relationship, live-in relationship for many years. Um, I was not the one who chose it to be sexless. And the amount of times you have to go through the motions, whether it's holidays or a Sunday dinner with family or friends come over and you got to pretend everything's fine and do that like smile at people all the time and and to other people they're always smiling they're always happy blah 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 and and to know that oh it's almost painful to make your face have to do that sometimes and like I think we're blessed that we don't have a nine to five in the sense that we have to deal with water cooler talk and office politics. I don't have to <laughs> at my boss's dumb jokes. Right. People laugh at my dumb jokes instead. <laughs> in general, like I like that I have a life where I don't have to make that face. It's why I've left relationships. I ended an engagement once. I didn't want to become the statistic that I actually know about. And yeah. that was such a lesson for me and why I actually didn't end up getting married years ago. Um, but when I saw that clip in that moment with obviously that incredible line about building a house and it not feeling like home, I can relate to that so much as well. And I know that not just for our clients, but also sometimes for our staff, their home life isn't always great. And coming to Muse can feel like home. You and I sometimes walk in and go, oh, home. I mean, after the pandemic, I wanted to hug it. I was like, I know. hello, I love you. Like, it's it's the way that even a building can make you feel, whether it's mm -hmm. good or bad. I, I just, I found that whole portion of the song just so, like, mm, on the nose, you know? Yeah, yeah it was. Mm. Love it. <laughs> All right, let's continue. <laughs> My son the same. Now that I'm older, I relate and I actually feel his pain. He never cried, he might have lied, but he did not complain. And he said, son, one day you have to do the same. I get emotional when I stop and think and I look around. Beyond the county lines of my small town. I think about all the men out there who feel like I do now. Who are screaming on the inside, but won't ever make I a sound. Mm, let's pause it again. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't resist <laughs> oh that's the one that like starts making me feel really emotional because um I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a bit of a story of one of my former clients that's um I think of every time I hear that part of the song I won't say his name but he was one of my favorite regulars for many years um 
was a truck driver, was on the road a lot, um, which meant separated from his family, from his kids. Um, and it took more of a toll on his marriage than I'm sure anyone could plan for. Um, and I remember him always telling me that he would never leave, no matter how unhappy he was in that house, um, until his kids were in college. And he would tell me sometimes about the arguments he'd have with his wife or when he'd attempt to have a discussion or when they tried to do counseling um, and how he'd constantly feel like he was screaming out and no one heard him. And it, it, he he wasn't a yeller. He wasn't like a loud character. He was actually kind of a, a demure dude. But just in general, he's like, I feel like no one hears me. Like I'm telling her this is what I need or this is what's wrong or this is why I'm staying. And there was no acknowledgement. And the way the therapy had gone, the therapist was a woman, took the woman's side. He felt ganged up on. Obviously not the right therapist. But like just the whole accumulation of it all together. And then about three years into us owning Muse, he walked in the front door and I just happened to be there. And I was elated to see him. I hadn't talked to him in a few years. He was so upset I was retiring. It was just a big like thing. And I asked him to come into our office, sit and have a chat to catch up. And the first thing he said to me, he was like, Emily, you would be so proud of me. I finally left. And I figured that meant great there in college. Good work, dad. Like you did it. You know, you made it through the hell. The kids are good, right? Like, you know, you and the wife can now stop the bullshit. Um, and he was like, you know, Emily it broke my heart actually when I went to tell my kids. Um, apparently the very first thing that they said to him was it's about fucking time. Mm -hmm. And his face was like full of emotion as he was telling me this story almost to tears he was like beat red and I was sitting there with this god awful I told you so look on my face because we know how this story goes yeah. and the kids were so sick of them faking it but so sick of like the send the kids to bed so dad could sneak downstairs to his bedroom so they'll never know like they don't know like just so many things that they had to fake and pretend and yeah. live as like roommates that don't even like each other just for the sake and they're like y'all didn't teach us anything like how did we benefit from this yeah. like you two were ridiculous <laughs> and they laid into him and he's he said to me i always thought about that conversation that one particular conversation we had where i told you that was my commitment was till they were in college and had i left then the kids were like 12 and 14 or something like old enough to mm -hmm. understand some things um on how different their lives would be and he was like i'm worried about them when they date are they going to think that's healthy? Are they going to think this is how adults communicate or don't communicate? Is that what happy marriage is or, you know, is for the kids really for the kids at all? And it's it's not. It's to satiate your own ego or your parents' expectations or societal demands. And it produces messed up adults once your kids are old enough. I think it is societal demands that you feel we did this, we have to stick it out and do it together. And personal note for myself, I came from divorced parents um, who were both in very healthy, loving new marriages. And those new marriages have given me as the daughter, the spectator, um, the view of what I want my marriage to look like. Had they stayed together for me, they would have shown me some, you know, what I don't want really. So do it. Do it for your kids. 
you know, be mm-hmm. happy in where you are or find happiness. But something that actually touched me in that segment we were watching too, is this um, need I think men put on themselves or we put on them that they have to be emotionless. And mm-hmm. th- I think they often hide their emotions and that's taught down to generations, right? To not be in touch with your feelings. You're strong, you're tough, you're the man. Um, and and they're, they're humans and they have weakness. And unless we're open to hearing that and giving them again, that safe space to express themselves, it's all bottled up. It's, you know, mm-hmm. mental health is, is diminishing. It's, it's terrible. I totally agree. Like, again, imagine how different the world would be. Shouldn't it be if a woman is in her, forget even like the cliches of what a woman should be, but if she's in her feminine best, should she not be the soft space that he can tell his feelings to? I understand going to work and having to be strong. You you know, you're a high stakes lawyer. You got to be an asshole all day. I get that. Go out there and fight for all the things. You know, you're a cop. You got to be tough. You got to, you know, all this stuff. But should you not be able to come home and pillow talk with your wife and say, honey, I feel blah, blah, blah. And why does that either through us or society, media, all of it combined probably um, make a man think that that makes him weaker? Or why do we express then that that makes him weaker? If he's going out to the world being a badass and then comes home and talks about his hard day, is he not still Superman? Like, I, I just, I don't understand that disconnect. And it's, yeah. it's a bit of a built-in bias that we get on, on this side of the table, right? Because we hear all this stuff all day. Normal people don't hear this shit all day. And so to me, it's like, ask backwards. Like, where's the logic? The things that, you know, pop culture and Instagram says that we should be looking for in a man would be easy to find in a man if we allowed him to just be a man. Like we stifle it before we even get it and then critique it when it happens because we don't know how to digest it. And if if they were just allowed to express feelings, like we're allowed to express our feelings because that's mm-hmm. all we do, right? I want this, I need this, I feel like this, buy a bigger house, do this, let's go here. Like we say how we feel in everything we do. Why is it okay for us and, and not okay for them? And mm-hmm. so relate that to to the customers that actually come into our spa and I'm sure our listeners right now and viewers could guess the kinds of things that a man will say when he's literally stripped down. It's, it's not just, you know, the the metaphorical aspect. He's literally naked and telling his stories. That massage table turns into a therapist couch really quickly. It, it's no different than a personal trainer listening to women bitch on the treadmill. Like, <laughs> before you know it, it's not about the workout. You know, it, it's not about your hair color with your stylist. You're having a conversation. And men don't have enough of those outlets. And that's what I absolutely love about Muse. And uh, in an interview I did on the Dean Blundell show recently, um, a a co-host he had with him, Lachlan, said, Emily, do you realize the service that you guys do for society? And I think that touches right on it because otherwise men are keeping that in even longer and they have nowhere to tell. And so how does that affect mental health, suicide, success rates, you know, war, violence, all the things that stem from what must be an impossible battle to keep all those things inside all your life, all your life. Yeah. Like I couldn't keep a secret for five minutes from you if I tried, <laughs> let alone 30 years, 50 years. Like I, I can't even, I can't even imagine. And I see it every day. Yeah. Oh, I love men. 
Anyways, <laughs> let's jump back in the video. As a man, our son is our horizon, and our father's actions play a role, and we end up like them. So they can't let us see them hurt, because we'll embody what they do and start a generational curse. No wonder most men are so depressed, all the things that they can't express. They go to war, get thrown on the shelf, then go back to war with their mental health. Then grab that bottle and ask for help, try to pull themselves out of hell. Let's pause there. <laughs> oh, that one gets me every time. It's, um, I don't come from a, a family of many veterans, um, a few, but so disconnected in generations. I never really got to hear their stories, but I think you could take that whole portion, um, as literal, or you could think about it as like just a, a, a daily war a man has with the world, with himself, with his mental health. Um, with his, the people he loves the most or are supposed to love him the most in his home and so on and so forth. And that whole concept of them going to war, being put on a shelf and then having to go back and battle with their mental health. I mean, we know that's so literal for veterans, right? In, in many Western cultures, we don't take care of our veterans properly. Um, I know this video was filmed in America and that's extremely prevalent there. Um, but it's more than that. I think I think any man could relate to that that battle, that fight mentality. They are often in not just fight or flight. They don't get flight very often. They have to fight all the time, every day, against all these expectations this song is talking about. And, and the expectations put on them by their wife, by their children. Dad, this, dad, that, honey, and it pick up this, do that like all day long, whether it's their boss, whether it's their teammates, even for like fun things like sports, there's an expectation constantly on them. They're supposed to be in top form, top shape, in battle mode all the time. And then to be completely neglected about how that affects you. I mean, I think every sex worker should have a therapist for God's sake, let alone a veteran who's been to war and back. That should be an automatic given. But but what if men that are going through a divorce, that are going through a job loss, that are going through these things that make them question their own masculinity, their own position and stance in life, should they not automatically have that support? Why are they put on a shelf and left to fight those demons by themselves? And again, I'm going to tell stories because I, I had two clients back in my day who owned um, funeral homes. And God love them for doing it. It was two of the most miserable, depressed people I've ever met in my life. And I've had my own battles with with depression and anxiety and mental health. And, and these people were like sadness from inside and out from the minute they walked in, just so heavy and so deep. And their sessions were never about freaky deaky things. They were so intimate because of the conversation. <clears throat> and one of them in particular would just ask me to tell him I loved him. And I, I mean, I was 23 at the time. I thought that was outrageous to say to some dude. Um, but I did it. And I, I ended up learning through the experience of doing it. He bawled his eyes out when I first said it. 
And he was like, Emily, no one said that to me in 12 years. My parents died long ago. I'm a single man. I go to work and see everyone at their worst all the time. It's it's death, it's loss, it's children, it's grandmas, it's every reason people would be upset. And no one had said, I love you in the longest time. And he was battling this all on his own and came to a massage parlor to find that, that like relief, that piece of saving grace. And uh, I'll tell you, I told him I loved him many, many, many times after that because it impacted me as a human being. It made me yeah. really take a moment to think about my empathy and and my empathy levels, my ability to relate to someone who's in his 50s and living this kind of life. It's uh it changed how I treated all of my other clients after after I saw mm-hmm. those two gentlemen. Um, and I've never forgotten those lessons that I've that I've taken with and me since. If he if he hadn't heard I love you in that long, how long has it been since he had a hug or you know, a, a rub on his back, like any human contact, really, right? It's, it's the little things. Like, you're so emotional and sweet. <laughs> I mean, um, we all felt it in the pandemic, right? This yeah, physical touch or a hi, how are you? Or I'm proud of you. It's it's so major. It's so major. And like people, people aren't told those things often enough. I think going back to the last clip too, the one word I took from it um, was something to do with them always being a provider. And I think um, men are providers, right? And they go through things whether it's job loss or there's a recession or you know all the things that can happen and this pressure that's on them as the alpha and to provide for everyone is immense like it's huge so without appreciation or human contact or all of those things that's that's Mm. an impossible task and it's so something that like women excel at we should just be doing that for them it's part of our gifts like it's part of why we're women and why we're softer and you know we have curves to our edges and it it should be that way we should be able to embrace men and just cherish them for everything they do because providing is more than financial providing Mm -hmm. a role model for your children you know providing a a soft space for us to cry providing a you know more than just a roof but something that feels like a home all of those things somewhere to make memories in somewhere to, to you know be able to travel the world or experience the things on our bucket lists or the things that we need. That's all providing. It, it can be as simple as laughter when you need it most. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's not always just financial stuff. Um, yeah. And I feel that they're just, they're so undervalued. Mm. Ooh, deep breath. Let's go. Let's continue. <laughs>
Mm. All my feelings. Ah, <laughs> uh, we can pause it there. <laughs> That's a good one. That wraps up the video. So the one line that really stood out to me in that last part, now that I've composed my emotions a little bit, um, is the the comment about um, how you don't know what he's worth. You don't acknowledge what he's worth until the day that he's dying. Um, we see our customers obviously in the flesh, in the living, in the in the emails and the whatevers. They're they're alive and well. We don't see them in those moments. Um, I did have a few customers back in my day that I know passed away. Um, some of them it was because they were members of the online review board world, um, and there was an announcement from a buddy or something. Um, from some of them, it was just a matter of doing the math or them telling me about a serious like operation coming up. And if I don't come back, that means something. Um, but you never get that like closure. You never get that, that mourning. And you don't really know what even on that kind of a relationship level, what people were worth to you until they're just, you never see them again. It, it's sometimes hard to balance being a, a sex worker because it's client's choice. It's not your choice if you see Bob or Frank again, and you may absolutely adore somebody or learn lessons from them every time you see them or, you know, have some of the best orgasms you ever had. I mean, I learned some things from some clients, but um, you never get that, that closure, that breakup, that final, that I love you, that goodbye, that forever, that any of those kind of like hallmarky type moments that um, people get in real life. And to think a man could live his entire life not knowing really what he's worth until he passes. And then everybody's like in hysterics about it. Um, and then there's a follow-up line about how she moves on to another man to confide in. And I know if I had a penis that would wrench my insides until they were scrambled eggs, because you spend your whole entire world, your whole life giving, 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 sacrificing. And then it could be as soon as you blink to cope with obviously her rightful loss and devastation. Um, but to move on to a next man to me is just like ugh, shank and a twist because I mean, it happens and I, I'm a woman, I get why it happens, but I've never thought about the guy who just passed perspective on how that might digest to his soul. Um, and I just, oh, what a brilliant line to write. What a, what a risky line to write in a song. Like nobody's talking about that part. Um, yeah, I just, I know that one, that one struck me huge. Like uh, I'm, I couldn't imagine. I, I try to imagine my empathy doesn't stretch that far. I, I don't know what that would feel like. Sounds awful. Well, they wouldn't really feel it, right? Yeah. True. Luckily. I have my big penis next time. You're such a, a softy. I love your heart. <laughs> I love you so much. I am. I, I care about every every customer that walks in. They're coming to us for a reason. It's not just because mm -hmm. they're bored and horny. It's the same like our staff. God help them if they're just there because they're bored and horny. But like, well, they'd make a lot of money. But in general, <laughs> everyone's there for a reason. They have a story to tell. And I think we provide a pretty awesome space for that to happen. And on that note, I have a surprise for you. Oh, good. There's something you want us to do. We got a horn? I'm so dying to toot our own horn. I had one for you. <laughs> we have to lunch next week so I can get it. Yay! Yes, wine glasses for horns.
toot our own horn because Muse is a really safe space for, for gentlemen to come in and share their world with us and teach us phenomenal lessons, which grows our souls, which to me is the whole meaning of life. So there's some fluff from Emily today. <laughs> so on that fluffy note, I asked our staff to send me some of their input on some of this topic too. I want to read them to you, right? Because I think I think they're kind of sweet. So um, I asked the girls, what is the most surprising thing you've learned about men while working at Muse? So I'm going to keep almost all of them anonymous. There was a few that were like, you can say it's me. So here we go. Um, Lexi, she's like, I won't get into too much detail in text, but Muse taught me to love every man. I've made beautiful relationships with gentlemen I would never have given the time of day to out of my own ignorance and based off bad experiences, but not men are all the same. Some men are still assholes, but some of them are absolutely wonderful. I thought that was really sweet. Uh, Heaven says, I think the most surprising thing I've learned about men at Muse is most of them just want companionship. They don't care about the happy ending even sometimes. Just cuddles and a pretty girl to talk to makes all the difference. I totally that agree. Sweet? I love it. Uh, this one's anonymous. Okay. <laughs> um, I would say the most surprising thing is it actually doesn't really take much to make some men happy. Also, women care too much about looking perfect. It's been my experience that most men don't care for perfection as much as we do. If a naked woman is in a room and listening, he's happy. <laughs> That's the it's truth. So true. It's so true. <laughs> it's lovely. Like men are such simple creatures in some ways. We are definitely the complexity and the bumps in the road. Amora says, the most surprising thing I've learned about men at Muse is how generous they can be. Whether it's gifting me something nice for the holidays or my birthday or just bringing me a coffee or lunch or even surprising me with flowers, I find it so sweet. I love that too. Yeah. When given the space to be romantic or to be generous, they're so thoughtful. To me, romance is thoughtfulness anyway. If you're thoughtful, you will be romantic. Um, and I just, I love that that's even interlaced in, in the muse experience. It's not just well, like porno. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it, it, this touches on something for me about them giving, right? Men are givers. They want to um they want to feel needed first of all that, you know, makes them thrive, but also in terms of something a little more spicy like orgasms. You know, they're they're coming in paying for their own experience, for their own happy ending. But from what we understand, it almost every client wants to give that same ending to their attendant. And I've always been baffled by it. Like, this is your money. It's your time. Your penis should be the focus. But they truly do. They want to not only, I think, um, feel accomplished that they pleased a woman, um, but they want to give. Like, mm -hmm. they are the most generous souls. Um, and yeah, I mean, it speaks volumes. You see it in use. Whether it's gifts or orgasms, they want to give it all, right? Absolutely. And you're right. It's so surprising. Like, you're coming in, you're paying to do this, this, and this for her orgasmic pleasure. Like what? But it's true. They're givers. They're just givers. They're so, they're so generous in every form. Ah, I love this stuff. Um, okay. I got a couple more here. Um, here's one from Layla and she gets into a few little personal things that I think is so cute. Um, she goes, Hey, Emily, I feel guys that, that come here are so generous 
and giving, but they really need to feel the connection. For example, I hurt myself a few months ago and one of my regulars brought me an ice pack and chocolates. He dropped it off even when I wasn't working, just so it would be there for when I came in. Another client sent me videos on how to fix my car because something was wrong with it. It felt so good because he knew, <laughs> he knew how to help. It costs nothing to be someone's friend and just think about them and not treat you as a piece of meat. It felt really good. Oh, that was so sweet, right? I love that friend. He goes, follow up. It's, it's not about being rich or expensive gifts. It's genuine care and concern. And I love it. Some of the guys here make me feel so safe. Yeah. I love that. Um, all right. So uh, Zoe, who's like, you can say it, Zoe. <laughs> all right, Zoe. <laughs> what I've learned about men is regardless of their age or background, they're all still like childlike in inside who want to be acknowledged, loved, nurtured, and never lose their desire to play, have fun, and enjoy life. The way playtime manifests varies from physical activity, um, whether it's sex, hiking, walking, gaming, they all stimulate the same. When a man doesn't exercise his need for play, he can become depressed, angry, and even frustrated. Um, the most surprising thing I've learned is how visual they are. They love to look, but they don't necessarily need or always want touch. They love movies, video games, and visual stimulation, especially in activities like sex or fetishes. They're visceral um, when triggered and release those endorphin chemicals. Men thrive when they receive love, attention, appreciation, empathy, kindness, true friendship, and respect. Some men really appreciate physical affection and even non-sexual touching like hugs. Isn't that good? Good answer she gave. Zoe's a gem, right? She's so she's so deep and so like in tune. That's why we call mm -hmm. her like our Zen yoga master because she's just on that spiritual vibe and she gets it. She gets, she gets these it. in ways that like floor me sometimes. All right, so the last one, <laughs> anonymous. <laughs> Some gives me the giggles. Nine times out of ten, they want their booty hole played with follow-up message I find a lot of men love being teased and tickled near their bum I think because the idea is still so taboo that most men it turns them on to dance the line <laughs> but I think that's a big topic yeah so I'm wondering I think we should leave that for the next episode we yeah could dive I agree. in the booty hole fun <laughs> yeah I'm excited for that I love it. I love it. So thanks everybody for watching this awesome episode. Um, I hope you loved it. I really like this one myself. Um, join, subscribe, like, share, follow us on the Patreon. We are dropping some exclusive episodes over there. So it's just for our Patreon subscribers. And we will see you on the next episode about prostates and booty holes. Bye guys. <laughs>